Hey guys, Danny here. Welcome to Create Good, a podcast where I chat with creatives from all different industries on how they're using social media to make the world a better place. Okay, guys, so today I'm sitting down with Josh from Josh Speaks. I'm so excited to bring you guys this conversation because he really does bring a very unique kind of value to the internet and to social media and to the world today. And he's got such a peaceful, calm perspective in such a chaotic space of social media. And he spends so much of his time helping kids. So I'm really excited to introduce you guys to him. Obviously, his information is linked down below in the description. If you want to check out his channel and all of that, but I'm so excited to get into this conversation. So without further ado, let's jump right in. All right, Josh, welcome to Create Good Podcast. Hey, welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to have you on. I'm super excited to talk to you because you are definitely one of those people that is making such an amazing impact with your content, with your just the way you're leveraging attention is very, very cool. But for those of you who don't know Josh, I'm going to let him take a moment and tell you who he is. Hey, everyone listening. So my name is Josh. I have a YouTube channel called The Josh Speaks, where I share, I would say, motivational advice for teenagers and young adults, teaching them how to build the skills of compassion, mindfulness, and confidence. I think each and every single one of us has what it takes to be somebody great in this world, to work towards being our best selves. And I want to help people feel comfortable being open and honest with others through dialogue, through their actions, through just how they carry themselves in the world and learning how to kind of be what they consider to be great people. I love that so much. And when I was doing all my research, my brain kept saying like, you were the Mr. Rogers of YouTube. (laughs) <laughs> and then I kept finding that, that he's a major like influence in your work and a hero, I believe, or someone you look up to. So it's just really cool to see you emulate someone. I grew up watching Mr. Rogers. So like, it's something that is really cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Mr. Rogers has been a huge inspiration on everything I've kind of put together and all the content I make, even down to the smallest detail of how to speak to someone or knowing that there's someone on the other side watching your your video, listening to your podcast, you know, just consuming what you do and knowing that you have the chance to make a positive impact in someone's life, someone that's there observing you. So, you know, one thing that Mr. Rogers talked about a lot is that the space between the viewer and the screen is kind of holy ground. That's the space where you have the power to kind of impact someone's life in a positive way. So for me, I kind of really take that to heart. And I I realize, you know, when I put together my videos or anything that I create, I really try to think about the person on the other side. How is this going to affect them? How is this going to pull them out of a dark moment? How is this going to make them feel more comfortable sharing how they feel with someone else? So that's, I think, the major point I took away from Mr. Rogers, just being your honest self. But overall, he's been such a huge inspiration. I feel like the more you know, now there's kind of a Mr. Rogers craze. So it's like movies and books and all these things are coming out, which I think is amazing because I want more Mm -hmm. people to kind of understand the message and understand what he really promoted for so many years through his program. That's so cool. Yeah. He really is, you know, I'm a part of the Mr. Rogers craze. I didn't know very much about him, 
But it was very cool to kind of see that during our research. So we have kind of an interesting story in how we met. I met Josh through a creator event through What Would Carla Say? And she is a fellow creator, a mutual friend of ours. And she introduced you with such high esteem, just that you were, you know, such a genuine, kind person. And everything I find in my research just shows, you know, our interactions and all of the happenings on the internet. Like everyone just keeps talking about how kind you are and how, you know, centered and calm you are. How do you manage, like, is that always how you've been? Or is that something that you've had to cultivate, especially working in social media? Yeah, I mean, when I was younger, I was a crazy kid. I did a lot of like pranks and silly things with my friends. So I had I was always very highly energetic. And over the years, I think I've kind of shifted because I think back then, I always kind of operated in this like, how do I gain people's attention so that they pay attention to me doing silly things, saying silly things. And I think it was around 2013 or so. That's when I started to, my videos originally were like, hey, let me just talk about funny things I like. Let me do silly skits. There was no real direction or kind of message behind what I was doing. But Mm -hmm. I started to read some of the comments on my videos and people were asking like genuine questions like, hey, I'm struggling with uh, talking to my parents about failing a test. You know, like it's hard for me to make friends or, you know, and I started to see all these questions kind of pop up. And I did my own research on YouTube and I said, okay, well, is there anyone that's dedicated to helping people through this transition part. You know, those those awkward years, teenage years where you're developing and you're discovering who you are and you don't really have that figured out yet. But, you know, you can't really talk to your parents about it because they don't understand. They're too old. They're boomers, you know, <laughs> they're in their own world. <laughs> you know, and like you could talk to your friends, but they're just as clueless as you are. So you don't really have a guided mentor, someone that's there to listen to you, to help you, to hear you out and to guide you with their own experiences and stories. So for me, I saw that was kind of lacking on the internet. And I decided, you know, that's something I want to do. I want to help advise people just sharing my own experience. At the end of the day, I think that's what it comes down to. And I think in choosing to take on that role, choosing to provide that servitude, I think in this world for other people, it allowed me to kind of fall more into the role of being more calm, being more patient, being more understanding. You know, choosing to take on that role is what allowed me to really realize the values and importance in that. Because, you know, like, let's say there's a crazy situation and something happens and someone's freaking out. Usually by nature, one person tends to be the more calm, rational, helpful, understanding one while the other one's freaking out. It's kind of a way we balance things in kind of, you know, crazy situations we run into. And I think for me, it's like, I realized the importance of that role. So I wanted to really try to adapt that. And I think just, you know, in, like I said before, in taking it on, I think it just sort of just become the norm for me, just how I try to approach day-to-day life and things like that. That's so cool. Honestly, I wish I was on your level because you do seem very calm, very even keeled. And I am so not that person. So even your videos just are very like mellow and informative, super helpful. I watched a couple last night and I was like, oh, well, I want to go talk to my crush now. (laughs) I love it. So This whole podcast is around like bringing positivity and obviously you do that with all your work. What is one time that you've received something positive, like someone's created a positive impact for you through social media? Oh man, let me think about that. I mean, I feel like one of the things I'm trying to do is now build a community and Mm -hmm. you know, so that's people who let's say discover my videos and are also on this journey of kind of working towards being their best selves and 
you know, discovering who they are. And in building that community, I think a lot of the young people that have, you know, been fans of my videos have stepped up and wanted to be moderators in like my Discord channel and wanted to be, you know, like, you know, moderators in like my, my live stream chats and things like that. So I've seen younger people kind of step up on social media. And I think that they recognize the importance of the values and they're also carrying it forward. So if let's say someone leaves a negative comment on my video, before I even get to it, a lot of these younger kids are already responding to them, but responding with kindness, responding with curiosity. Hey, you know, you look like you're upset about something. What's, you know, is everything okay? So seeing that kind of response is something that inspires me because it shows me that, you know, what I'm talking about or what I'm trying to help encourage here is effectively working. I think younger people Mm -hmm. are changing their mindset of responding with a bunch of curses and insults to someone who says something negative to responding with compassion, responding with understanding. So that's something I've observed in terms of like how people, for me, kind of being on the receiving end of kindness through social media. I think that, you know, anytime anyone kind of tags me in something or mentions me in something and I, and I see that they're working on something that is important to them or that they're passionate about and they feel like I, something I've said or something I've done has played somewhat of a role in their lives. I think that that's the ultimate good that we can look for. Knowing that the positive impact that we've had on someone's life is encouraging them to kind of pursue their dreams and their purpose and things like that, I think is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Absolutely. And I want to unpack one thing you said. You talked about your Discord channel. Now, that's something that I don't think a ton of people know about. It's a little bit more of a quieter part of social media. Mm -hmm. And I remember when we were talking that night when we met, that you had such interesting things to say about your particular community on Discord and what that had turned into. Can you unpack that a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, maybe I'm an older millennial, so I'm trying to learn a lot of the newer platforms that (laughs) that people are communicating on. And for me, I was like, okay, well, I want to create a community. Do I do it on like a Facebook group? Do I do it on, you know, where do I go for that? And speaking to my community, they're like, yeah, we're all on Discord. We're all gamers and things like that. So I kind of centered it there. And when I first started that community, for anyone that doesn't know, Discord is kind of like a uh, communication chat, a lot of times used for gamers to kind of like, if you're going to build a group, you all want to communicate through that chat and talk during the video game or just text chat and things like that. So when I first started it, I didn't really know what to do. I didn't know how to set it up or the commands and stuff. And a few kids had told me on Instagram, they're like, oh, we know how to use Discord. We'll help you set it up. So mm-hmm. I kind of just like let them, <laughs> you know, okay, here, I'll give you a moderator status, like set up the different groups, set up the different roles, wh- whatever is needed for a community kind of set up on that platform. And I felt like it kind of became a, a bit of a Lord of the Flies kind of scenario <laughs> where like I went away and came back and these kids had already elected all the different moderators, certain people were, you know, kind of the go to people for advice, certain people were like the trolls of the chat. And they had a staff chat as well, they created their own private staff chat. And it's like, in the staff chat, these kids were already trying to figure out like, okay, you know, this kid curses a lot, maybe we should talk to him about that, because there's younger kids in the server, like, they were already taking on the roles of managing this. And to me, that was amazing to see, because I think that for a lot of young people, having some type of responsibility over something, whether it's taking care of a pet, having a younger brother or sister, being involved in something in school, or even being involved in something online or social media or a community like that, and being given a sense of responsibility where trust is instilled in you, and you're able to showcase that, hey, I'm capable of doing these things, of managing these things, I think helps build that 
confidence in the person helps them see that, you know, they're capable of things. And, you know, that can lead to much more. They can, they'll start to say, well, if I'm capable of this, maybe I'm capable of achieving this other dream I have. So mm-hmm. seeing this kind of Lord of the Flies, and I, I don't mean that in, in an exactly totally negative scenario, but like, <laughs> you know, just seeing this kind of evolve and unfold on its own, I think is amazing. And it's like, I recognize that, you know, the internet is fast moving and, you know, people come on and then they disappear, right? After like five years, mm-hmm. six years. And it seems like the shelf life, let's say, of a person, an online creator is, you know, short. It seems like it's getting shorter and shorter with new platforms and new people popping up and things like that. So I think that really what carries forward, despite, you know, the change in faces over the years is the values and messages that come along with it. So for me, I recognize that if I can instill these values and, and talk about these values and help other people see them and have them carry it out day to day, then when the next TikTok comes out and there's a young kid that watched my videos and felt empowered and inspired in some way, he'll carry those forward in how he communicates and how he talks and how he interacts with others. Are you on TikTok? Are you making content for TikTok? I'm on TikTok. I set up a profile, but I haven't done anything yet. I feel oh. like I'm still in that stage. <laughs> how about you? Have, you? have you done anything on TikTok? But, well, I'm doing a lot with my work on TikTok, mm-hmm. but personally, I've just been doing like New York content. Mm -hmm. I don't totally understand the TikTok universe, (laughs) but I feel like your audience is so heavily there Yeah, that it would be interesting to see the spin that you take on your content in a TikTok world. Yeah, I've been really thinking about that too. Because I've seen, there's a few creators on there that I've seen that do like motivational things, but I feel like it's a different delivery, totally different delivery than than you would say it on YouTube or anywhere else. So I'm still trying to figure out what's the best way for me to kind of share that. I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> That's cool, though. I look forward to it. Let me know when you go on to it. So I think you brought up a really interesting point that a lot of people don't talk about too often is the lack of trust that we have in terms of from older generations to the younger generation, in the sense that I feel like everyone talks about like kids going outside and playing when we were younger. And like, I remember that, but I also remember there was an inherent trust between, you know, my mother and my family that I was going to be okay. I was self-sustainable enough to go outside and handle myself. And obviously as a kid, you're going to get in trouble. But I think as, as the generations have gone forward, we've lost that trust. Parents don't necessarily think their children, you know, everything's about like, oh, the millennials don't get it. And so you see a lot of young people retreating to the internet and places like Discord and chat rooms and, you know, going into video games as this way to build community. How do you kind of infiltrate that as someone that is, like you said, an older millennial that is maybe, I find myself being like, I don't totally relate to the younger millennials Mm -hmm. because I remember life before the internet. But like these kids are growing up with the only safe space is the internet. And that almost further ostracizes them in the sense that their parents are like, oh, you're always on your video games. And it's slowly changing. But how do you relate to a generation that you maybe don't have everything in common with? Yeah, I mean, it's a every year it's a new discovery for how to best communicate, best connect. So since you had mentioned parents, one thing I wanted to say on that was that I think for a lot of parents, they don't recognize that when younger kids are tinkering with video games and trying to build something or trying to set up a YouTube channel and all these different things where they're spending so much time on the computer, 
that's their process of learning and figuring themselves out, figuring out how to, like, what matters to them. One thing that Mr. Rogers had talked about, and I'm probably going to mention him a lot, <laughs> but I love it. I love it. Bring it on. <laughs> one, one thing he had talked about was that, you know, even for a child that, let's say, is taking a block and putting it inside of a bucket and taking it out of the bucket and doing that over and over, that's a learning process for the child. He's getting a feel for what that block is like, the weight of it. You know, what happens when I put one object here inside of another? What sound does it make when it hits the bottom of the bucket? All these different kind of pieces and elements of that moment is a learning process, part of the learning process for that child. And for the parent, the parent may look at that, you know, I think with age, you kind of detach from the simplicity of learning, right? You kind of are more focused on like, well, what's the value of learning this? And is it going to help me and stuff? But sometimes the simple nature of just doing and being in a moment is the learning process. Mm-hmm. So for children, and I think even for teenagers and stuff like that, that's the case as well. You know, there are lots of teenagers that I think set up, you know, profiles online, or even, for example, I've spoken to a lot of kids that set up YouTube channels that they want to make videos, but they're terrified of everyone in their class finding out about it. Now, why is that? Why do kids have this desire to put themselves out there, but this fear of rejection and this fear of, you know, not being accepted by others or being laughed at and things like that? There's a, I think, a need to express themselves, right? Kids and and everyone in some ways they want to express themselves without, you know, having to deal with, let's say, the backlash or the fear of people not accepting them. So Absolutely. I think for myself, even though, you know, I'm, I'm older, I'm, I'm 30, I forget how old I am, 32 or 33. <laughs> I always forget. But even though I think I'm older, I think that thinking back to what younger people were experiencing or feeling, what, what were the things that they were nervous about and afraid of back then? I think that now, even as adults, we have those fears, they just manifest in different ways. So like when you're a teenager, it might be like, you know, I want to try a different hairstyle, but I think people are, might laugh at me if I do. You know, I want to talk to that girl, but she's always with her friends. And what if her friends don't like me? So I'm not going to do it. You know, these mm-hmm. kind of challenges that are first time challenges for a lot of teenagers, they're kind of first entering this stage of like, you know, that's the first time it's like, wow, I, I started to have feelings for that boy. I started to like that girl, whatever it may be, they're starting to kind of ask those questions. And for me, even though I think I'm older, I think that I speak to the real feelings that they have in those moments, rather than just focusing solely on, hey, you know, you're in this situation, this is what you do. I think that there are a lot of people on YouTube that I think that do that, and they do it well. It's like, here are just five tips on, you know, how to do XYZ. And mm-hmm. it's very informative, but it, to me, it feels very clinical. It feels very removed from the fact that, yeah, I want to talk to this person, but what is the deeper thing behind that? The deeper part of that is acceptance. The deeper part yeah. of that is being comfortable sharing myself, being vulnerable. And I think that when I make my videos or any kind of content I do, I try to speak to that. So even though you know a younger kid may come across my video and say, oh, who's this millennial older guy that's talking. He's not a 15 year old with cool hair that, you know, like, like on TikTok or something like that. But, oh, what he's saying, you know, speaks to me. Like he's talking about that. It's scary. It's scary to do these Mm -hmm. things. And I feel scared. And that's something. So he understands me. And I, I think that that's the feedback I've gotten back from people that, especially a lot of the younger people, high school and college kids that watch my videos that, hey, you know, you made this video and I feel like you really understand what I'm going through. Yeah. And I, to me, that's the bridge. The bridge really is uh, creating a space where a person can be vulnerable with you 
and that you are showing them that you're open to accepting them, you're open to offer care, you're open to offering guidance in the fact that you are older and you may have experienced it before, you have something to provide in that sense. No, I love that. That's so good. And I think you really do achieve that in your videos in the sense that when you were talking, I was sitting there thinking like, I'm still going through things like that. You know, I I love making this podcast, but I shelter it from my family. I don't want, I think sometimes you can guard what you love so dearly against those you love because their opinions carry more weight. And, you know, to hear that and then know that teenagers are also going through a form of that is amazing. Okay, guys, I wanted to take this mid-roll opportunity to share a really cool organization with you guys. It is called Black Girls Code, and it is an organization that allows 7- to 17-year-old girls to be educated and have the opportunity and the skill set to go into the STEM fields, which is computers, math, science, technology, all of those places that are so male-dominated and even fewer people of color have the opportunity to get into those arenas. So this is an organization that's getting girls involved at as young of an age as seven and giving them the, the skill set and the knowledge and to move forward throughout their life and really just have that much more of an advantage. You know, we're, we're hearing a lot right now about the lack of opportunity in our black communities in, you know, the systemic racism in the United States and all of those different things. So I did want to spotlight a really cool organization that is directly, tangibly fighting against that and giving young women opportunities to grow and, you know, compete in the workforce in an entirely different way. So I highly recommend you guys go check them out. It's blackgirlscode.com. And they are based in New York and Oakland, so West Coast, East Coast. Uh, please, please check them out. Very, very cool opportunity to support the future in a really tangible, real way. So, back to the episode with Josh. Okay, cool. Well, my next question is really geared around like your YouTube channel. First of all, I've, I'm obsessed with your jingle. It's so good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> did you make that or did someone else make that for you? It's so, it's catchy, but it's short. I love it. It kind of like, I had an original one that was a little bit longer that I just kind of made up myself. And then I kind of shortened it because, you know, I wanted a shorter intro. But as far as the creation and the putting an actual song together, that was someone that I had hired to kind of like record it for me because he was a much better singer than I was. But the <laughs> whole like, the jingle itself is something I just came up with. That's so cool. So yeah, I mean, your YouTube is obviously like, you have over 150,000 followers, you're at over 20 million views, like your YouTube is working. There's something working very well with your YouTube. And do you think that has your content evolved over time to be more niche, more specific? Are you like pruning things and realizing how things are working? Or has it been from the beginning, you've been talking about you know, I see you do a lot of content on like talking to your crush or does your crush like you? Has that been something that has like risen to the surface or has that always been the plan? Yeah. I mean, for me in the kind of the earlier parts of when I was like, okay, I want to do advice and stuff. 
I was kind of more versatile in the topics that I talked about. A lot of it was like, I had four main topics. It was pickup and dating. So like how to talk to someone, how to date and stuff like that. Self-help. So like how to deal with depression or how to deal with anxiety, things like that. The other topic was philosophy. So that was mm-hmm. for me, like I'm a huge, I guess, philosophy nerd. I love talking about like deep questions. Why are we here? You know, what's our purpose? All these different things. So I wanted to do videos like that. And then I had another topic, which was culture, which is like, what's culturally relevant? What's happening? What are things that I like that's happening in culture? So those were kind of my four topics in the beginning. But as with anything, I think when you're trying to grow a platform, you learn that, hey, listen, certain things work, certain things don't work. People respond to certain videos or certain content better. Mm -hmm. So you kind of double down on that a little bit just to see. And for me, like YouTube has always kind of been an experiment as to what's working. I started to notice that focusing more on videos that are tied to growth, and I'll take growth as like developing relationships or developing yourself, those mm-hmm. tended to perform better than like me personally doing videos on, you know, why are we here? or Does God exist? Or th- those type of things. So I started to shift more towards kind of the self-development route. And then even that, what I've noticed works the most on my channel are dating videos. I think that that's Always really popular on YouTube. Anything why do, happens. To why do you think that is? Why? Yeah, I, I think. I think with my, with my audience, I mean, maybe it's with more audiences than just mine, but like the teenage young people crowd. So I would say teenagers, high school to college, or even middle school to college, like that bracket. I think is when you are starting to discover that you have feelings for other people. You you want to develop relationships. You want to have that first kiss. You want to have all those things. So I think that a lot of young people are jumping to those videos. But what I've really noticed over the years is that to me, like how to talk to your crush in school is kind of the surface level of it all. The deeper piece is like, do I feel comfortable sharing the things I like? You know, am I okay with having a, let's say a girlfriend and balancing schoolwork and friend life and all these things? Like there are multiple questions that lie under the surface you know, someone may go on YouTube and just think surface level like, oh, I want to talk to this girl. How do I do that? You know, without realizing that there are other things I need to kind of build and work on and feel comfortable with, you know, that really lead me to that bigger question that they're asking. So for me, I I saw that, you know, those type of videos work. But what I always try to do is, you know, like the advice on like how to talk to someone is there, but it's always tied more into like the self-development. I think that that's what I try to do that makes me different on YouTube to try to stand out from everyone else. There's a lot of other channels, like I said before, a lot of other channels that I think give the advice straight, like do this, do this, say this, send this text message and stuff. But I think ultimately what allows people to connect with you personally is sharing your own experiences, sharing why it's important to you. Because a lot of times just saying something isn't what makes it special. It's why is this important to you? Why are you sharing it? Why should I listen to you about this advice? And I think that, you know, so a lot of young people will discover my channel, discover, you know, those dating videos, but then they'll kind of get pulled into the wormhole of like, let me watch more videos. Oh, he talks about the feelings you have after you've been rejected. Like that's something I might experience or that's something I am experiencing. So they kind of fall deeper into the content, even though they came in from that surface level topic of like how to talk to a girl or something like that. Okay. I love it. I mean, okay. So my question is, did you date a lot as a teenager or like, are you researching these things? How do you come? Obviously like the undertones are about you like human and emotion and human experience, which we all go through, but 
you do have very like interesting and tactical advice. Like where did that come from? Yeah. I mean, just to preface it, when I was in high school and college, even I was a loser. <laughs> like, I, I, you know, I, I didn't, I was a nervous kid. I didn't know how to talk to people. I had a lot of different, I think I had a lot of experiences where like, oh, I had a girl that was a friend that I liked that I talked to her, but she rejected me. I had like these kind of, you know, very awkward experiences and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think now that I'm older, reflecting back on the things I've gone through in life, it's easier for me to dissect, wow, you know, this is what I was feeling in that moment. You know, this is what I maybe could have said to make that person feel more comfortable. This is what I could have done when that person reacted in a way I didn't want to. So I think that, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm experienced in the sense like, yeah, I dated a lot of girls. Yeah, I, like that, that wasn't mm-hmm. me at all. And, and I want people to know that when they watch my videos too. You know, with a lot of, I think, I hate kind of grouping myself in with like any kind of like dating coaches or something like that, because that's not really yeah. what I want to do. But looking at a lot of the people on YouTube and things like that, that are like in that dating coach sphere, to me, it comes off more like, yeah, I'm an expert. I know exactly what to say to get this person to do what you want. And it's like, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying, hey, listen, you know, this is how to be open with someone. This, you know, like in any approach, in any situation, think about what you want to build with that person. Think about the bigger picture rather than just like, I'm going to say the right thing and get it. But for Mm -hmm. me, there was a period in my life, this was kind of after college where I was really, really into like the pickup artist community. I think it was really popular at the time when the book, The Game, Yes. Sorry, that's, I didn't mean to interrupt you. That is so fascinating to me. I want to know more about this Mm -hmm. because I feel like that is something, it's a hole that a lot of young men fall into. This Mm -hmm. idea of like gamifying dating. Yeah, yeah. And it was a huge time period. (laughs) Maybe not a huge time period. It's maybe like five years or so, but like it was huge at that time. The game and pickup artists and all these different things. And for me, like, I just love to learn. And I think that my perspective going into it never was like, how do I say the right thing, like the exact right thing to get someone to do what I want? My perspective was always how do I create an experience where I'm comfortable and the other person's comfortable too, where we're both having a good time? So for me, a lot of post-college was like, okay, I read the game. I read this and stuff. And I'd go out with my friends. We'd, we'd all go out every weekend and stuff. I don't drink or anything like that. But we'd always go to bars because all my friends did. So for me, it was like, I'm going into these experiences, interacting with people 100%. Like I'm 100% there. <laughs> you know, no, you know, no drunken haze or anything like that. <laughs> So I would tell myself, you know what, I'm going to practice something tonight. One time I told my friends, I was like, okay, I'm just going to walk up to different groups of women or girls or people, and I'm just going to say something random. And I want to see what their response is. So one of the things I did is I walked up to two older women, I think they were probably in their 40s or 50s or so. I walked up to them at the bar and I said, hey, women, I didn't say hey, women, I said, I don't remember what I said. (laughs) Hey, ladies, Uh, hey, ladies, I like pickle juice. And then I just stood there. and. They just kind of looked at me and they looked at each other and then they started laughing. They're like, oh, you're really fun. And I was like, that's the weirdest thing. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> and I would do things like that just to see what people's general reaction was. I wasn't trying to accomplish anything really. Like if they just looked at me and mm-hmm. called me a weirdo and walked away, then I'd be like, okay, I know that saying weird random things creates tension, but doesn't, you know, like in that situation, it created this like open playfulness. So I, I you know, like I would test out different things like that, like try saying different things. I would try doing different things. One thing I learned too was like telling different stories. So like when I would approach people and talk to them, I 
just tell them stories like, oh, me and my friends back in the day did this, this, and this, or like, oh, this crazy thing happened to me. And I started to realize that like sharing more about yourself allowed that person to feel like because you were being vulnerable with them, it allowed them to open up as well. So like mm-hmm. in tiny little experiences that I had, I started to realize, wow, you know, like going back to when I was younger, it's like if I would have told the girl that I liked more about myself or told her more about my interests or told her more about who I am as a person and what I enjoy, she might have felt like, wow, he's being open with me. I can maybe be a little bit more open with him. So it was kind of in those experiences that I had that for me, a lot of it is upon reflection, looking back and saying, if I would have done this differently, maybe a different outcome would have happened. Maybe things would have worked out just differently in some kind of sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And it's cool to hear someone talk about like actual human connection and cultivating that idea of if a guy walked up to me in a bar and said, I like pickle juice, I would immediately be like, who is this person? Like one of two things, you're either a very interesting human being or you're crazy. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> like, you know, you're, you're invested more in the, the moment. So it's, that's interesting. I like it a lot. Yeah. So, and I, I had no clue what was going to happen to me. They could have threw their drinks in my faces, but I was prepared to learn from the experience to see. I love it. Well, and I don't think anyone, I've never seen someone throw a drink in the face. I think you're, you know, it feels like a movie moment, although you never know. (laughs) That's great. So from there, like, what are some of the things that you really, you have your book, which is called Embracing the Awkward, which is super cool. I noticed that you have a quote from Sean Covey on the front, which was huge. That's a big deal. Yeah, Um, yeah, huge deal. And so tell me a little bit more about your book and tell me more about like why you chose to write a book that goes to teens. Yeah, I mean, writing a book, I think, is something I've always wanted to do. I love to read. One thing I've learned over the years is that like reading in a book form versus, let's say, reading online is kind of different. I feel like the online experience is you want to read shorter things. You want to read a quick article. You want to read a Facebook post. You want to read things in kind of like blurb format. But I look at a book as like, here is a complete set of ideas that all tie together in its own package. So you're going into the experience from cover to cover, knowing that these ideas tell a complete story. Whereas I feel like in the internet type of format of things, it it isn't always like that. It's a lot of it is bite-sized pieces here and there. So I always wanted to kind of put together a grouping of ideas that I felt tied together in this solid book form. So when I wrote Embracing the Awkward, that's kind of how I approached it. Part of the book is stories of myself growing up, what I experienced. And I talk about some of those experiences in different videos. So some of the videos would be like, you know, one specific story, but in the book, it's like, I'll tell that story again, but I'll tie it in with the other ideas in the book. So it's a little bit more elaborate and in-depth. So it's really just an expansion on more of the stuff that I do on YouTube. But I wanted to write it in book form, I, I think a lot of times too, because for in speaking to my audience and stuff, they, you know, sometimes they would say that they would come home from school and they would just sit and binge watch my videos in their room. So yeah. they would just sit there in this kind of private space and just kind of consume the content and try to learn and try to feel more confident going into the next day. And I think having it in book form also gives them the opportunity to, you know, just kind of like look at something and reread it and highlight it and break it down. And I feel like when you're reading a book, like I mentioned before, the space between the screen and the viewer, I feel like it's the same thing between the page and the viewer. There's trust there. You know, it's a private experience that 
maybe you and your phone don't really have as much because there's always an option to scroll to something else or click away. When you're invested in a book, you're invested in what you're reading then and there. So I, I try to really look at it holistically from that perspective. And then I just thought too that this is another way for people to kind of consume things. So some people, some of my viewers told me like, hey, Josh, it's great that you wrote a book, but I don't read books anymore. That's just not something mm-hmm. I do. And I think younger kids, that's that's kind of the direction they're heading. It's like, why would I mm-hmm. sit and read a book? So I look at it similarly to like, why would I sit and listen to a whole CD from track one to track 15 when I can just randomly catch songs here and there? You know, like we're moving, I think, away, I feel like in some ways from this curated kind of experience. But I think it's still a thing that's valuable to a lot of people. And some of the young people that I've spoken to that they really enjoy that, that they can kind of like, all right, I'm going to read this chapter, I'm going to read the page that you know, read the thing you talk about in this page over and over and over till I really digest it and get it. So I feel like I wanted to put something together in a form that people who learn that way can really kind of consume it. I love that. Well, and you mentioned something about stepping away from curated. I think we're actually moving in a space where we have autonomy over our curation Mm -hmm. in the sense of like, we can build our own CD, you know, Mm -hmm. through playlists and different things like that. So it's interesting to see that you're feeding both audiences in the sense that you have this, you know, like once you put a book into the world, it's very stationary. It is what it is. And then you send it out there and you hope that it can make the most impact it can. But then you also have this like living, breathing YouTube channel that can pivot and move as you need based on the content you put onto it. So it's fascinating to kind of watch those two things. Have you seen, I would assume that you've seen more impact through your YouTube channel, but is that the case? Like, have you, how has the book and the YouTube channel been kind of going back and forth? Like, I'm not making sense. (laughs) I mean, like, so, so far, I think, I forgot how many, but there's, it's over, over a thousand copies sold wow. for the book, which is awesome. Yes. It's like, I remember when I first was writing and I looked online, it's like, how, what's the average number of copies sold for the average book? And I think it was like 300 or so. so oh, I really? Girl, I didn't know that. Yeah. Maybe it's updated now, but when I looked, That's when cool. I created 2018, I was like, yeah, you know, okay. I was like, all right, 300 is the number I'm aiming for. I just got to get above <laughs> the average to feel like I did something here. But it, it's been cool. cool. I think. Yeah, yeah. It was an interesting thing for me to learn. And I think the way that the YouTube channel and the book kind of go hand in hand is that, you know, with the YouTube channel too, I think that a lot of it is people will watch a video and then they kind of follow YouTube's recommendations. So they may watch a second video of mine and and YouTube's really good, I think, at recommending the right kind of videos afterwards. But like I said, with YouTube, it's kind of like every video is a self-contained story. Whereas with the book, it's like, this is the story of what I went through and how it ties into all these other ideas it's more elaborate and stuff. So whenever I'm making videos where I'm telling stories, I also will probably reference the book if I've mentioned that story in there, or if there's something in there that I think ties in. So I try to loop the two back together in some kind of way, because I feel like for myself, I know that when I get really into something, I want to like learn as much about it as I can, you know, so whether it's an author or or a movie series or whatever it may be, I'm just in that mode where I want to like consume, let me read the Wikipedia on it, you know, let me read any interviews or watch interview videos and stuff like that. So I just see it as another way for a person to say like, oh, you know, I really like what Josh does. Oh, he wrote a book where he talks about his experience and stuff. Let me jump into that as well. I love that. And so if you could, in the world of like Logan Paul's and all of these people that 
I would dare say are like the rebunctious you that has grown up and now like training a generation to maintain that throughout life. Mm -hmm. If you could design like what your impact was, what your long-term lasting impact on people were, what would it be? What would you want that to be in terms of like your audience? I think that my long-term value and message to also ties back, I think, to what Mr. Rogers saw as important, like one of the most important things is that the feelings that we have are mentionable and manageable. That whenever we're experiencing something or feeling a certain way, it's okay to share how we feel. Yes, there are moments where we need to maybe set boundaries on who we share things with or how we share our feelings. But knowing that we can live in a world where we can be honest and be our honest selves, I think is something that I want people to really, really know that even though there's a fear of others not accepting you or liking you or even agreeing with you in any type of sense, still knowing that there are people in this world that care about you and that want to see you succeed. And it's a matter of finding those people to to bring into your life, whether it's friends, whether it's mentors like teachers, whether it's your parents or your family, knowing that we can kind of build a life and find people that care about us and knowing that we can kind of be honest and open and mention our feelings. To live in that type of world, I think that that's something I want people to realize is possible. And we have to work towards that. It's not just going to, that's not going to be the default state, right? The default state, I feel, is very hard sometimes, is very cruel, is, is very tough. But one of the things that that I feel like was a major influence, and it's going to sound kind of silly, is that I had a dream once. And in the dream, I was kind of walking through the street or some random street. And there's some dog that's walking down the street. And the dog walks up to me and I start petting the dog. And the dog says to me, this is a dream, not real life. But <laughs> the dog says to me, life is tough, rough, rough, rough. <laughs> and I woke up. And I thought about that. And I'm like, well, that didn't make any sense. And then I kept thinking about it later. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, life is tough. It's Life is a matter of suffering and and hardships, Mm -hmm. but through all of that, we can still form connection. We can still learn how to be ourselves. And as fearful as that may seem sometimes, it's possible. So maybe that's a long-winded way of saying all that, but to me, that's the most important thing I think we can offer. I I love that. Yeah. And and I think you had mentioned like the Logan Pauls of the world and stuff like that. I think that people that take a route of entertainment... And I look at that as play, right? Like, yes, he's not to get focused on Logan Paul, but yes, he's done crazy things. But ultimately, what he's trying to do is play and provide excitement and entertainment and and value in that sense. And I think that's an important piece, right? Like, I wouldn't expect one thing I noticed, too, is that a lot of younger people, they will discover my videos when they're young, right? Let's say a 13 year old comes across my videos, 14 year old is in high school, comes across my videos, and he watches my channel for three, four, five, six years. What's weird is I've had kids that said, yeah, I started watching in middle school and I'm ready to graduate college. And it's like, how does that make sense? (laughs) That's crazy to me, you know? But like, I think that they'll watch my channel for a number of years and then they'll stop watching my channel. And to Mm -hmm. me, that's kind of what I hope for. You know, I'm not hoping that people just abandon my channel, but I'm hoping that they can get the value that they need where they feel comfortable and confident enough to say, okay, maybe I don't need to keep consuming anymore. Maybe I'm ready at a point where I can now inspire others. 
I always look at it like the highest point of learning is teaching. You know, once you feel like you've mastered learning, the next step is always teaching and, and teaching the next generation, teaching the people around you, inspiring others. So all I can hope for is that I pass that value on to others and then they continue that as they go forward. Wow. I love that so much. So I want to give you an opportunity to tell people where they can find you. But first, I want to ask you my last question of the podcast. Mm -hmm. So when you hear the words create good, what comes to mind for you? When I hear create good, I think that with any object or any tool or any platform, we have the ability to affect others. And I think that sometimes we get more focused on the attention that we get from the platform, right? We want followers, we want likes, Mm -hmm. we want people's attention. But when I think of create good, I think that really thinking about the person on the other side, like I mentioned before, and knowing that you can create something that will connect with them, will make them feel heard and make them feel understood. So creating good is not just putting out, I think, happy, fun content, which it can be, but I don't think it ends there. I think it goes deeper. And the good that we aim to create, I think, is the connection, is the ability to show someone that, hey, you on the other side that's watching this, I understand you, I care about you, and I want to be there as you also develop too. I love that. Well, I am so thankful that you took the time to be on my podcast. And I really do want to take a moment and let you tell the audience where they can find you because I think there's a lot of people out there that can continue to learn from you. Yeah, I mean, I'm all over the internet as the Josh Speaks on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, on Twitter, YouTube as well. All you have to do is search the Josh Speaks. I'm also working on my own podcast soon called Be Somebody Great. And I talk about, you know, what it takes to be somebody great. And I have other projects that I'm working on too, but mainly the Josh Speaks across the board is how you can find me. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And it was really great having this time to chat with you. Yeah, I love this. This is a great conversation. Yeah, I'm so excited. And thank you. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Josh. Big thanks to him for coming on the podcast and dropping some serious knowledge. And if you want to know more about Josh or follow him on social media, we've included everything in the description down below. We also have all of our information. If you want to follow Create Good Podcast and all of the different things that we're bringing to the table as well. I appreciate all of your support and everyone that's sharing the podcast and leaving reviews and all of that amazing stuff. So big thanks as well. And I will see you guys in the next episode. Between now and then, I hope you can create some good.